today. Part two, fixer-upper, failure, brokenness, change. The Apostle Peter knew a lot about failures. We jumped into his life last weekend, and we learned what sometimes a miserable failure that he was, by how he rose to be a great apostle, the great spokesperson for the gospel of grace, as he preached that magnificent message at Pentecost, as he preached to some 3,000 people that were converted one day. What a preacher, what a man. And at the very top of your outline, I want you to just go ahead and get right into it. I want you to fill in this word in the outline. The pathway to our lowest point doesn't normally happen in an instant. In other words, we could trace this to addictions, to problems, or whatever in our life. And we go, oh, man, I don't know what was happening. I was doing life, and I fell off the saddle. Man, you know, I was married to this woman. I was married to this guy, and I don't know what happened. And, man, we're just broke. Well, I understand that. Uh, you know, it doesn't usually just happen like, man, you're riding down the road and you leave your wife. It starts with a thought. You begin to entertain a thought. There's an imagination that works. That imagination leads to conversation, and that conversation picks up, and that conversation goes places it probably shouldn't, and then, and then eventually it leads to connection, a connection of emotions and hearts. So a lot of people just, at that level, they have emotional affairs, or it could just lead to a full-blown physical affection. You're like, oh my goodness, man, and then, and then we're like, we're in trouble. But what happens is the pathway leads to the place that you didn't think you were going to go. Every time I've ever talked to an alcoholic, I go, hey, was your goal in elementary school to be a drunk when you got older? And nobody's ever said, man, I wanted to be addicted to drugs. I wanted to be addicted to liquor. I wanted to be addicted to pornography. Nobody starts out that way. They just begin a little and then another step and another step, and they're lured in, takes them out and breaks them. I'm grateful for this church and for the people that have come here with all kind of brokenness. I'm certainly a guy with brokenness. Is anybody here a broken person but your pastor? Come on. There we go. I love it if I'm in a house of brokenness. If I'm in a house of pride, man, I got some work to do here. But we look at the life of Peter. I want you to turn over to Luke 22. Would you turn there in the scriptures? In Luke 22, starting in verse 54, listen to these words. They're familiar if you've been around the scripture. Maybe you read them recently in the devotional. Maybe you read them last year around the time of Easter or something. But let's just look, starting in verse 54, reading from the New Living Translation. So they arrested him and they led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. And the guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. And finally she said, this man is one of the Jesus followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. And about an hour later, the third time, someone else insisted, this must be one of them too because He's a Galilean, too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, the crooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard 
weeping bitterly. I've read that passage so many times, but you have to get a little history to get it in context. You have to go back earlier in the chapter. See, as preachers, we will extrapolate, we will pull verses, and we will build topical series that are based on the Word of God, and we'll do expositional teachings. And then you just kind of jump into a plot, and that's awesome. But y'all will always read before and after. Now, some books of the Bible are not set up where they have that kind of flow, but the Gospels have more of that flow. But if you'll back up there, you see that the storyline doesn't begin necessarily in 54. It's that Peter earlier tries to conceal, refuses to admit the truth. We go back to Thursday night after sundown to the upper room, to the Passover feast that Jesus had with his apostles. And, and there he institutes the Lord's Supper that we do here. But in verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith might not fail, and you once you were converted, strengthen your brothers. So here's what Jesus says. Simon, no, Peter, Satan is coming after you. He is going to sift you. I'm going to allow that to happen. He's going to prove how genuine his faith is or he isn't. And here's what I learned a long time ago as a Christ follower. Nothing has ever touched my life. Nothing has ever touched your life that God the Father has not allowed, that hasn't gone through his fingertips, that he's allowed that to come through your life. And is that good news? And some of you are like, well, I don't know. I've had some pretty tough situations. What was he thinking? I got cancer. I lost my son. I had a miscarriage. I declared bankruptcy. I did, I, I, I did this, 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 this. I understand. But do you have, well, you don't have to believe this. I just choose to. I believe that the Lord is in control of every situation, that he controls all circumstances, and that our God knows all, and that he is an all-loving, all-caring, awesome God. How many agree with me this morning? And he allows that. I would never choose some of the things that I have been through and the things that you certainly have been through. Right now, a little girl that grew up in this church with one of our daughters, she's fighting for her life, little Melissa. Her mom works with Chrissy in her business, and we've been, and I asked you, just write, just write on your note today, Melissa, just pray for Melissa. When you say Melissa, did you know God knows who you're talking about? Ask Jesus to fully wake her up. And there's situations that have happened last week, last year, they'll happen this week, they'll happen next year. All I know is that we've got to trust the Father, and Peter, I think, teaches us about this. But yet, I want you to look at some things that are important about Peter's fall. Look here in the middle of your page. I want you to see some things. Self-confidence. I'm ready to go with you, Jesus, in verse 33. And I'm even willing to die for you, Master. And you know, a lot of times, our disclosure, our fall is the same way. We get so over cocky, arrogant, full of ourselves full of our self, not full of Jesus, and we fall. And it certainly, certainly happens here in the life of Peter. Look at the second one. There's self-protection. There in verse 54, Peter, now we, there's a lot of different thoughts. like, oh, man, Peter, he followed, but he followed at a distance. Well, disciples ran in packs. They ran in bands. There were others. I don't know where they were. At least Peter's got his eye on the master. At least Peter's somewhere around. And then Peter does walk up and warms himself at the fire. He stands and then he eventually sits down. But there's protection here. And Jesus, as he was let out of the garden here, at least as he went out of the garden, Peter 
followed him. Now, maybe not close and intimate like he was his best friend, but he was there, and he dropped back a little bit. But, but then he denies him at the fire. He denies him in these situations that we just read about. So I look at this, self-confidence, self-protection. Sometimes we deny Jesus, if we're honest. We're in a difficult or we're in a situation, and we should have a verbal witness for Christ. Have you been there? And you've just not opened your mouth. You chose to be politically correct. You chose to be coward. You just chose to do something but the right thing. You just chose not to speak up. It's so refreshing when I hear people speak about their faith in and out of the marketplace in different situations. I understand there's HR rules and there's different things. I still, my spiritual mentor, I met with him this week. I went to the Global Leadership Summit here in Montgomery, a satellite location for our Willow Creek Association. About 250, 300,000 people across the globe gathered. But as I, as I was meeting with him, I just thought, and as I was riding home, I had some great fellowship with him, and I thought about it, and I said, I remember when I first came to Christ, I remember asking him, he, he, was, a, he was a dentist, retired dentist now, and he would talk to me about sharing Jesus with people in his dental chairs. And I thought, that is so awesome. You've got them kind of out of it. You've got them on drugs. They're going nowhere, and you share the gospel, and you ask them a question, and they can't answer I thought, man, if I could have just been a dentist, that would have been so fun. And I've had several dentists over the years, and my own personal dentist, I've watched him grow in his faith the last few years to where there will be some verbal witnesses for Christ. It's, it's just beautiful. Here, you know what the point is I'm making there? Wherever you find yourself, whatever profession, we did not deny Christ because somebody needs to hear. And the church said, amen. Look at the next one, self-determination. Cold night. They're having a fire. Peter stands. He sits with the servants. But you know what it is? Peter's an easy target. He's got a Galilean dialect accent. It'd be like, that person must be from Tallahassee. I'm sorry. I can't believe I just said that. I love Tallahassee. We used to have a lady here on our staff, loved Jesus, loved this church, and she had the most southern drawl, and she could say words with multiple consonants and syllables that didn't even, they, I don't know where they came from. And here's the cool part, they adopted a little boy from Russia. And one time somebody asked me, they came and said, Pastor, what's the little boy going to sound like? Is he going to sound Russian? No, he was a baby. I said, no, he's going to sound just like his mama. And you know what? He does. Grew up in a home, had, had that accent. It, it, it just works. There's that self-determination. Look at the fourth one. There's a self-discovery. Man, that's the one that is the most exciting. Peter discovered who he was. And as I think about that, I think about the cock, the rooster crowed three times, and Peter was convicted. He was taken down a notch or two. And the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. And I think about that. That when we have self-discovery, you might write this down. When we have self-discovery, many times it will be a painful place that Jesus calls us to. And when it happens, I, I just wonder, what do we do with it? But here's what I love. The scripture says, Jesus looked at Peter. And I've often thought, can you imagine the master taking a hard stare or look at you? 
And then the Bible says that Peter went off and he wept uncontrollably. Man, things were hard. He, the, the, the Greek says that he sobbed unbelievably. But there was a look. And then I just thought about us. So let's make application. When Jesus looks at us because he's sovereign, because he's Lord, what do we do? Do we repent? See, Peter, I believe Peter had great repentance. As you read later in his life, you see that he did. And he confessed the Christ, the Son of the living God, in marvelous ways. But I wonder, what do we do? Because, see, Peter could have just said, I'm relying on myself because I am strong flesh. But I think he said, no, I failed the Master. I'm going to rely on Jesus. Jesus is in control. There's a, there's a psalm here, 51. I think it's going to come up. Maybe not. It was a nice thought. Oh, okay. I was like, well, it was supposed to come up. Look at this psalm. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Now look at this next part. Blot out, eradicate, nullify, take away my transgressions. And the church said, amen. Isn't that good news? That's what the blood of Jesus does. It cleanses us from all manner of unrighteousness and that's what happens here in this psalmist so i was just thinking about the a couple words here today matter of fact i want you to fill in these blocks you ready some of you somebody came in this morning looked at it like man what is he doing here it is i want you to look at this failure is the first one fill it in failure leads to brokenness but it results in change Say that with me. Failure leads to brokenness, but it results in change. Let's have a prayer and go home. Now, I'm not quite through. But that's what happens in failure. Peter knew failure. I know failure. You probably know failure. And the scripture says the Lord will never abandon us in our failure. In Deuteronomy 31.6, listen to these words. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not panic before them. For the Lord, your God, will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. I say that a lot around here because I need to be reminded, but I think I need to remind my friends, the Lord does not abandon his own. The Lord is with you. Even when you are at your lowest point, the Lord is there. Look at this, the second point I would make. It's not in your notes. The Lord's approval creates hope. And endurance develops the strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So a whole passage over in Romans 5.4. Just right in there, Romans 5.4. And then listen to this. The Lord chose us to carry out His work. I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you, and I will not throw you away. Are you grateful this morning the Lord doesn't cast you aside and goes, No more. I'm done. Now, if we could be transparent, sometimes we get done in relationships. We get done in situations. And we just kind of cast them aside. But what I've learned about my loving Heavenly Father, no matter what I do, no matter what you do, He doesn't throw me away. He loves me. And the fourth one is the Lord will always show us the right way. He just shows us the right way. 
So here, here's what I want to say to us. You feel like a failure? Look to the Lord. You've blown it? Look to the Lord. Oh, you could deny Christ. You could run away. But if you run away in repentance and brokenness, man, that is a good thing before the Lord. And we remember the Lord. The Lamentation says, the Lord is my portion. Man, that's what I want. I want some portion. Today at lunch, is somebody going to get a portion of something good? How many of you are going to go, I want a bigger portion? My dad played football at Auburn University after he fought in World War II. He went to, uh, in those days in World War II, dad would have been in his 90s had he lived. And dad, uh, he went off to, to fight for his country, he came home, finished high school, he went to Auburn on a football scholarship. And I remember when he told me one day, he said, son, when I played football at Auburn, we had no face mask. He was a man. And they had them goofy-looking leather helmets, except I never called it goofy because he had big old arms. And he could snore like nobody. My wife says, well, you ain't doing a bad job yourself. But his nose, stop it, that wasn't funny. His nose had been broken so many times, he just did these sounds that I never heard. And, uh, but, because I've never heard me. But my dad... But dad said something one day. He said, son, when I went to Auburn University, you know, it was a whole different school then. And he says, we would have meal time with the ball players, And they didn't have these big, expensive, uh, exclusive training tables and all this. He says, we would walk in. It was like home style, uh, like, a, like a family reunion. And he said, what happened was, he said, we would walk in the ball players and we'd sit down at the table. And as soon as you saw something, you would grab it. And he said, my dad said, I just grabbed a whole barrel of chicken. And somebody else would grab the whole thing of mashed potatoes. And then them crazy football players, they would hold it, and they'd go, you've been good, and they'd give you a little bit. And then somebody else, and they just handed out portions. I thought, I thought, man, that's pretty good. Well, you know what? I'm glad the Lord's not stingy and goes, I'm just going to give you a little portion of grace. Man, the Lord gives great grace. Amen? Man, the Lord's full of grace. His loving kindness, His mercies are new every morning when I woke up this morning. Good morning, Lord. And then I said, oh, it's Sunday. I got to go preach. <laughs> no, I was ready, man. I was thinking, man, the day is the day the Lord has made. I will. You read that verse before, have you? Isn't that awesome? There's hope because there's God. We trust in his training. We, we cry out for grace. Listen to this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise God has always been in the brokenness. And that's what I really want to spend time on today is talking about brokenness. Brokenness. We used to sing a song here, brokenness is what I long for. And we'd sing that song and the worship team, oh, that was awesome. But then I'd think sometimes like, man, I think we're lying. I think we're hypocrites. I don't think brokenness is what we're all sitting in here coming here like, Lord, that's what I want, brokenness. I long for it. Because when, I, when you and I think the word broken, do you think good? When your car breaks down, you go, praise the Lord. When your air conditioner goes down and the humidity is so high and Blake can't get there because he's got 10 more jobs ahead of you, do you go, this is a wonderful day the Lord hath made. Man, you're looking for a swimming pool. You're looking for a neighbor. You're looking for something. You just, you're looking for the mall. You're just getting out of there. But here's the thing, brokenness is so beautiful to Jesus. Remember all the broken people in Scripture? And the woman that was so sinful, 
Jesus just embraces one after another after another. And the thing is, if I get focused on my failures, if, I, if, I, if my focus is my failures, I never make any progress. But if I make my focus the Christ, the Savior, my King, my Lord, i got a chance to progress and have life transformation that I talked about last weekend. No, we get to have Christ-like change when Christ is our focus. But man, when I focus on all the dumb things I've done or will do, I mess up. So Lord, I want to know you. I want to run to you. I want to confess my sin to you. I want to throw my heart on your mercy seat, Lord, that I might receive cleansing because I'm spirit soul body lord i have been born again i have been regenerated by the spirit of christ i am not my own but i am yours amen and amen but brokenness how does it work to be molded by god let me give you a verse isaiah 64 8 write it down actually it's right there in the middle of your page you don't have to write it down i already made it easy oh lord you are our father we're the clay and you're the potter and we are formed by your hand. I just looked at a beautiful little baby back there, Kendall, holding a minute ago, her little girl. And she was holding her. And I looked at her and I said, is that a China doll or is that the real thing? And the little hand moved. And I love that scripture says, I formed you when you were in your mother's womb. God loves to form, doesn't he? He loves to form messes like you and me, and I'm grateful Lord, I'm the clay, you're the potter. Romans 8, 29, listen to this. You've ordained me to be molded into the image of Jesus, and I want to be everything you want me to be. That's what you want for your kids. You're praying this year, oh God, let my kid be smart this year. <laughs> Lord, let my kid stay smart this year. Mold them with the future, God. Because I don't want them to live here forever in Jesus' name. <laughs> Most of you thought that was funny unless you were Tullus and she's like, my baby's graduating this year. Well, if you hadn't worked so hard and made her so smart, maybe she could have repeated and stayed around another year. <laughs> now, I don't advocate that. Somebody's going to walk out and say, man, our pastor said be dumb in Jesus' name and it'd be good. That's not what I'm pushing for. Where did I come up with some of this stuff? I got all these powerful notes, and I just walked out there. It leaked. I'm sorry. You know, that's what, you know, that's what uh, witnesses for Jesus do. They leak. They leak with the Spirit of Christ. Broken stuff, brokenness, broken people. Broken. Listen, here's some broken people. Just write these down in your notes and think about them or, or study their life. Moses, Abraham, Jacob, certainly King David, Peter, John, and I might add Paul. And I could have just given you list after list of the broken people in Scripture. But they have a story. And their brokenness leads to change. Their brokenness leads to change. Man, I get excited. Brokenness is a process we go through. It takes a few years. It takes a few decades. It takes a lifetime. But brokenness is the way of the Father. It's impossible to live this Christian life without being broken. God wants to break us that He might shape us, that He might use us. Brokenness is so many times painful. In my own life, when I've really been broken deep, man, it's hard. 
It's a lonely place to go. Over the tenure of this church, I've found myself in broken places where Christ was magnified and I hurt so much of soul. I find myself visiting that place from time to time. I should stay there every day, and so should you, dependent. But Lord, my flesh wants to rebel. It wants to rise up. And when I read Scripture, there's only one person to rise up. It's the person of the Lord Jesus in you and me. Amen? That's who needs to rise up. Christ in us, the hope of glory. But the flesh will. In Matthew 10, 39, it says, He who has found his life shall lose it. Whoever has lost his wife for my sake shall find it. So you've got deep hurt, disappointment. You've got brokenness. You're in a good place probably. Jesus, I'm broke. And I read this question, and I, th- and I thought it was good. I want you to write it down. Lord, is there anything that means more to me than Jesus? Is there anything that means anything more to me than Jesus? And if there is, it might be that God wants to kind of break some things off in your life and some dependency on the things of this world versus Christ. And this morning, we'll have an opportunity to respond to that because I believe that brokenness can be our very best friend because brokenness will lead me to the road of healing. Brokenness will lead me to the throne of grace. Brokenness brings honor to my Father. And this morning, I'm probably talking to a lot of people that are like me, that are messed up, need fixed up, need transformation, need Christ-centered change, and Christ wants to do a new work in us. I hear this. Oh, pastor, things have gotten so bad, the only thing I can do is pray. Do you realize how dumb what you just said? It just came out of your mouth. Pastor, the only thing I can do is pray. And I'm just going to say amen and walk off. I mean, that should be the first thing. Now, I said that and we kind of laughed. The bad thing is I do it too. Where the Lord's like, well, I'm breaking you. I want your attention. And he's like, do you want to take this course again? (laughs) Do you want to run around this mountain one more time? So the bottom line, Watchman Nee, I loved him. He's an old deep writer from years ago. and he, He wrote the book, The Normal Christian Life. And he says this, The principle that brokenness and surrender is the normal Christian life. Brokenness, surrender, that is what it means to be normal as a child of God. But the world teaches the opposite of that. I don't know about this broken stuff and this surrender stuff. How about prideful and arrogant? Well, man, that's that's not Jesus. I mean, that might be religion. That's not Jesus. So, Lord, the, the generation that you and I live in has programmed us to be so happy and to be into happiness. And, of course, I love happiness and I love good feelings and I love laughter and I want to be joyful. And we even show comedians every week to get you in this room. That's what we've been doing. And we have these wonderful guys that are Christian comedians, and they they just speak life and everyday stuff. And I think it's great. But then God wants us to move on with him that, Lord, it's okay. I like happy. But, God, you want us to be holy. Guys, I'm going to tell you, this is like one of my buttons that you push. God is in to holiness. Will you write that down? God loves holiness. God died for holiness. God is a holy God. Amen? And i got to tell you, folks, people are attacking this in the theological seminaries across America. 
and denominations. People are attacking the holiness and the authority of the Word God Almighty. This is either truth or it's not. And if it's not, I'm going to close it. But it's truth. Oh, I hope you love truth. I hope you'll spend time in this book. Amen? Matter of fact, let's just do it. We ain't done it so long. You just need to pull them out right now, and I just want to see them. Just hold them up. Let's just hold them up, man. Pan that camera somebody up there. I want to see all these Bibles. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Just look. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Y'all hold, keep everybody holding them up. Awesome. Y'all get to go out early. <laughs> this section's sucking a little wind, okay? Y'all are staying for homework. Wouldn't that be funny? Like, what time did you get out? I got out early, man. Pastor said, I got to stay for recess. <laughs> I'm telling you, I told you all the other day, David just went to be in glory a few months ago. And because I did that one day, he went home, couldn't wait to get his Bible. said, I'll never be caught without the Word of God again. And then God took him home. So I don't even have anybody, so I got to just tell his story. Y'all bring your Bibles. Okay, here we go. All right, listen, look at this. Listen to this. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the Holy One says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble. I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Isaiah 57, 15. Isaiah 57, 15. God promises, I revive I bring life out of those that are broken. God loves those. He rescues those that are crushed, the psalmist says. One guy named Peter Octavianus says a man greatly used by God in 1973 in some uh, revivals in Borneo. He says, revivals do not begin happily with everyone having a good time. They start when people are broken and they have a contrite heart. Isn't that where it starts for you and I? It's when I'm broken over my sin. And this morning, we're going to come to a time in a few minutes, and I pray the Spirit of God is going to sweep all across this room, and He's going to just break you and me and shape us and remold us. It's not a feeling. It's a choice. Lord, I want to be broken. I want to agree with you about my sin. Lord, I want to go after you. King Saul, he was defended, justified, excused himself before others. King David excused himself had people had somebody killed all these cover up oh no 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 but then he confesses his sin he's broken before god and god names him as the greatest king that walked on the face of the earth next to jesus what blessings does brokenness bring well it lifts us up to the father it gets the Father's attention. He works in our hearts in new ways. It brings an increased capacity for love and worship. That's what happens. When I am broken and you're broken, the capacity for me to be a worshiper just increases off the chart. But so does my devotion and my love for other people. When I'm broken, when I am prideful, when I am full of self, pretty diminished, pretty weak, and that's what I pray. God, we want to learn how to worship. But here it is. Failure leads to brokenness, but the third box, but it results in change. That's what God wants today, Christ-like change. So let's look at the verses, and we're going to respond. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior, customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
Matthew 18, 3. And then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never, never get into the kingdom of heaven. And then Melanie, you come on this next verse. I want you to hear the old prophet Joel. Chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. It's there in your notes. This is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there's time. Give me your heart. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing and your grief as they did so many times. But tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God. For He is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and to not punish. So this morning... The last verse that's going to come up on the screen is uh, 1 Peter. And I want you to look at this verse. In His kindness, man is our God kind, He called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore. He will support. He will strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. So here's the response today. We haven't ended like this in a long time, but this week as I was preparing, I felt like we needed to do this. I wanted us to have some altar time in the last 10 minutes. So worship team, if y'all would come in and begin to fill in that song that literally broke me, has ministered to me in my car over and over, is called Even If, the song that Jeremy did earlier this morning. We, we've done it here. And I just was asking the Lord, Lord, would you break us today? Would you shatter us? Would you mold us? Would you revive our hearts to follow the kingdom? And here's just a couple thoughts, and we're just going to come to the altar if you're willing. How can we know if our hearts are broken? Proud people focus on the failures of others. They have a critical fault-finding spirit. And man, on that one, I said, God, I've gotten critical. God, I need you to break me. So I'm going to ask you, if some of these touch you, you might just come out from your chair or grab somebody's hand and say, man, go with me. Here it is. Proud people have to prove that they're right, but broken people are willing to yield their right to be right. Proud people are protective of their time, their rights, and their reputation, but broken people, they yield up their rights because they're not their own. They belong to Christ. Proud people want to be served, that they can be a success, but broken people desire to, desire to serve others and make them a success. They want them to be better. Proud people have a drive to be recognized. They get wounded when others are promoted and overlooked. Proud people are quick to blame others for their problems. Proud people are quick to take offense, but broken people are quick to forgive and overlook an offense. So church, here, here's what I want us to do. I, I think our whole church ought to be at this altar, but only by, I don't I don't result to manipulation. If you're young or old today, these points, something, I just believe God's stirring today. He wants to lead us from failure to brokenness to change. I just think we need to come and feel God's altar up this morning and say, God, I have sinned. Our church has sinned. Lord, I've blown it. Break me today, God. Break me for what breaks your heart. Change me. Come on, church. Y'all go ahead. Let's sing this next song, Even If. And church, let's respond in faith today to a holy God. He wants us. Our church needs shaping.
Come. Come, church. Meet your pastor at this altar. I want to be broken before him.